This is the Paul Bunyan Country Outdoors Podcast, sponsored by Bemidji State University and Northwest Technical College. The Paul Bunyan Country Outdoors Podcast is also sponsored by Visit Bemidji. Paul Bunyan Country Outdoors covers the lakes, woods, trails, wildlife, and anything else going on outdoors in Paul Bunyan's playground. But first, if you love the outdoors and are looking for ways to align your education with future employment in the trades, Northwest Technical College in Bemidji is for you. Explore state-of-the-art technical education in six career paths, automotive, building trades, business, health, child care, and manufacturing technology, all in the heart of Minnesota's Northwoods, surrounded by more than 400 lakes and, of course, limitless forests. The shortest path to your dream job and a good bite is at NTC, Bemidji's Technical College. Learn more today. Visit ntcmn.edu. This is Dick Beardsley, and this is Paul Bunyan Country Outdoors. Well, today on Paul Bunyan Country Outdoors, Edie Everts is in. She's the Bemidji Area Fisheries Supervisor. Edie, welcome back. Oh, thanks for having me again. Well, is this your first summer in Bemidji, or did you? Or were you in charge last summer, too? I lose track of when you got here. This would be my second summer, just because I started in May. So I started, uh, oh, yeah, you had just got it started. Just got my feet wet for the first summer, so this is the second summer. Okay. So um, we're just wrapping up the summer season, which is the time you and your crew go out and do a bunch of surveys. So let's just talk a little bit about uh, how lakes get on the surveys, how we determine how many, you know, how often we look at them, and which ones are due. How does that all play out? Sure. Uh, mostly there, we pick them by the ones that are the most popular lakes, the lakes that we stock, obviously. So those have a uh, higher priority. So we'll survey. Our most popular lakes and lakes that are stocked every about every five years on average. We have some that are on a three-year check now, and that's uh, like Bemidji and Big Lake, some of the other lakes that have a good walleye population. It's not necessarily stocked, but just important walleye populations. Um, for, for example, we and then we also try to combine them. Like this summer we did the Mississippi chain. We didn't do Andrusia, but we did Bemidji, Irving, Marquette, Plantagenet, and Stump. Um, okay. So we can kind of do it all together because those lakes are connected, so it makes sense to look right. at the populations at the same year. So that if there's anything going on, we can kind of track it over time. Are you able to, when you're doing surveys like that, to make a determination on how the fish move, how many stick around in the say, major basins, how many are moving to different lakes? Do you ever check that stuff out? Is that even possible to check out? Yeah, those are pretty intensive, like kind of extra studies that we could we could do, and have been done in the past. But we've also um, generally, I think people are thinking of the larger fish, where you put a tag on them, and then anglers right. can recover them, or we'll recover them later on. And those studies have been done in in the chain. What we also are doing is kind of a side uh, research project, because we've been marking fry for, and this particularly talking about the this chain I just talked about, the Mississippi River chain. So we stock fry, which is the small walleye, tiny walleye in the spring, into Plantagenet. That's the only lake that's really uh, stocked, um, except for Stump, I think. And those fry we found do move down into Lake Bemidji and probably contribute a, you know, a small fraction, but still a portion of the fish in Lake, Lake Bemidji. Okay. Um, so you, you uh, have a certain rotation. It's based on certainly popularity of the lake and importance of the lake. Uh, but how many lakes are you able to cover in in one season? I have to count here real quick here. I, I think it's about a dozen. Oh, okay. <laughs> I would say typically twelve to fifteen lakes. So. And and is it the same crew going out on every single lake, or do you have crews that multiple crews? We have, yeah, we have a couple of crews, and you know we also do some uh, what's called an IBI or Index of Biotic Integrity Survey, and that's looking at the the smaller 
game fish, or small, sorry, it's more like minnows and, and small fish along shore. And then um, they do backpack electrofishing. So that's just shallow water electrofishing to look for non-game species and, and for minnows. So we have one crew doing that for quite a few weeks, and that's tied into our not to get too deep in the weeds, but it's tied into our clean water legacy oh. monies. And this actually is, is part of what PCA uses to um, look at water quality in lakes. They use a, an index that looks at actually the aquatic life and that we just do some of that work for them because we have the equipment and the expertise to do that. So overall, we'll have two crews. One's usually on a regular survey and, and often one will be on an IBI, but we can also do two crews at once. I think this year we had two on Bemidji at once just to get the netting done more quickly. Well, you know, when you think about it, and speaking of getting into the weeds, I mean, (laughs) we want good fish, and we want healthy fish, and we want lots of them. Well, um, minnows and bait fish and all those other things are are vital to the health of the fishery and, and us being able to catch lots of fish down the road, right? Oh, yeah. that's uh, I think it's an important you know, aspect of our program. It's not a huge part of it, but it, it is important. And I think you know over the years we we'll probably may find even more importance just if we see any of those shifts in species or anything, especially with the you know, new, newer species in there like our aquatic invasives or zebra mussels, that type of thing. But I don't know if our – hopefully we'll have enough data with that kind of stuff that we could actually see if there are impacts. So you've done the surveys. What comes next? That's when our crew will uh, uh, sit down this winter, pull out scales and uh, otoliths, the ear bones from the fish, and they'll figure out how old the fish are that we sampled. And we have records of the lengths and the weights, of course, from summer measuring. And then they'll, uh, they can figure out just a good real – a real example is, for example, with walleye, we can, if we figure out the ages, if it is a lake that we stocked, especially if we stocked it with fingerling fish, we can see are those fish coming from the years that we stocked, you know, because they cause they're only would be born certain years. We generally stock fish that are just are not quite a year, so we can backtrack to which year they would have been born and then compare it to what fish we see in the lake. So okay. that, that gives an, in other words, that will give us an idea of whether the stocking is very effective or not. And so, really, this summer's results won't be known until, like, next spring. Right. Yep. Because once they get all that data crunching done, they also write up reports. And those are the ones that many of our your viewers, I'm sure, are familiar with on the Lake Finder. And that's that's our crew writing them up. Okay. Well, do you you get uh, a a vibe? Do you get a sense, you know, based on what what the eyeball test, uh, whether things are good or not? Yeah, I know that um, Plantagenet and Bemidji kind of stood out this summer. They're both uh, Wally populations are doing really well. Uh, Bemidji is um, maybe not at the peak, but it's still up, you know, in the higher levels for walleye anyway. Yellow perch, I know, um, looking back at some records, have been a little bit lower levels and hasn't been as popular fishery in the winter. I've heard especially, but it, they looked at quite a bit better this year. So maybe that. We'll forecast a better winter fishery for perch, but the walleyes definitely are out there, and, and as usual, and Bemidji, <clears throat> which mainly is natural reproduction, it's lots of fish sizes up to like 25 inches, so plenty of fish out there. I, you if you know, can, and, if you can get them. So I heard really good things from most the anglers on Bemidji this summer. So I mean, I, I, I'm not shocked to hear that things look good out there. I had heard a very steady bite, even in. What we typically would refer to as the dog days, uh, it never completely shut down. So um, I'm not surprised to hear things look good on Bemidji this year. 
That's, that's good to hear. It doesn't always work out that well. Sometimes our nets show really good fishing and the anglers just can't catch them. And usually that's because there's a lot of forage out there or something else that right. impacts it. angling. Uh, our nets don't care whether the fish are hungry or not. You, you mentioned the perch. I, I had talked to Beth and Bethany last year who are doing the big perch study, a kind yep. of a statewide project. Have they... And you've been involved in doing that in any of the lakes up here, or is this part your normal survey part of it? Uh, they uh, piggybacked on some of our surveying this this summer, and I think Bemidji was one. I'm not sure if they had some other lakes offhand, but they might have as well. So I think they took some of our perch, but then they may have, I think they went out and did some extra netting just to get full larger sample size. Okay. What now? I'm assuming you you have to uh, survey Red Lake and Cass Lake quite quite frequently yeah. as well. Were they on on the docket this year or not? we we just finished Red. It's our fall sampling. And these are both Cass and Red are annually sampled, so it's a generally kind of a fall ritual for us. Uh, we got the whole crew involved in, on those for the most part, and then uh, we're in the middle of Cass right now. But uh, I'm sure you're wondering now how did Red look? It looks very good. Yeah. It's a lot of smaller fish out there, and, and uh, I, I don't foresee any kind of real strict rule coming up for the winter, but we won't know that until we get the rest of the results and hear from the Red Lake Band. And, and I had heard that as well secondhand from a couple of guys who've been out there rather routinely that it just it was just a great year on Red. So yeah, it's these been, are all good things to hear. It's been interesting on Red because we do have the creel every year as well, so the summer creel... Um, the num- number of anglers out there, the fishing pressure was down in like May and June, which is typically like the best time to go up there and fish. But the the harvest was actually pretty good. Okay. You know, it wasn't it wasn't a high harvest, but it was higher than would be expected for the amount of anglers out there because the fishing was good. And like you said, it seems to have continued through the summer, which is not typical in red often. Right. It's it, this stuff is. I always find this interesting. I don't get a lot of it because I'm not a biologist, <laughs> but I really do. Every time I talk to somebody and we talk about the how interconnected everything is, it it is pretty fascinating and it's pretty uh, uh, pretty important that nothing gets out of whack because eventually that means everything's going to be out of whack. Yeah, I mean, we, we already are concerned, of course, like with climate change, and we're seeing some shifts in uh, fish populations. <coughs> excuse me, already, and and actually we're trying to look at a lot of that stuff to see what's happening, but. Uh, yeah, it's a it's an interesting field. It's it's not like <laughs> it's not like making parts or building something. It's, it comes out different. It seems like every year. Well, and you know when when you when you start a plan or have a special reg, uh, the time it takes to for that to impact. Uh, I'm, we're so used to being able to you know, or people order stuff on Amazon, and depending on the town you live in, it might show up at your door thirty minutes later. Um, we just don't have patience. You need to have patience in your business. Yeah, that's it, it, interesting because we had the uh, Turtle River Chain of Lakes uh, meeting for changing the pike regulations potentially uh, just last week. And one of the questions is how long would you need to put these on to see if they are working? And when you say you know, five or ten years, people are like very surprised. <laughs> but we're talking about fish that need you know time to grow, grow into a protected slot, stay in there and grow out of it. That's, you're talking five or ten years with a northern pike. It's different here than it is, say, in the south. Our growing season yes. is shorter. Um, the fish kind of quit growing for a while until, you know, the temperatures warm up again. So it takes longer up here than it might if you were trying to do the same thing in Alabama, for example. That's right. Well, even across the state and even uh, from lake to lake, I mean, especially when I was up in the northeast, 
some of the lakes just aren't very fertile, so that you know it might take five years for a walleye to get to be twelve or fourteen inches. And here, it's more like two or three years, yeah. depending on the lake. But it can vary even you know across the state. Bemidji Area Fisheries Supervisor Edie Everett's my guest today. We'll have more with Edie next. Hey, I'm Jason Rylander of North Country Guide Service. My back sure hurts from carrying Kev Jackson for all these years. Hi, this is Dick Beardsley, Bemidji Area Fishing Guide. I'd like to invite you to come to our beautiful town of Bemidji. We've got over 400 lakes in our area teeming with walleye, pike, muskie, bass, and panfish. We're the gateway to the Chippewa National Forest. We've got miles upon miles of biking and hiking trails. Paul Bunyan and Babe the Blue Ox. Fine shops and eateries in downtown Bemidji. Headwaters of the mighty Mississippi at Itasca State Park. Beautiful resorts, hotels, and bed and breakfasts. Visit Bemidji one step further. This is the Paul Bunyan Country Outdoors podcast, sponsored in part by Bemidji State University. You can pursue your passions with a world-class education in the heart of Minnesota's Northwoods. The drive to acquire deeper knowledge and develop greater wisdom is already in your nature. So join us on the shores of Lake Bemidji. Minnesota's premier Northwoods University can help you make the world a better place than you found it. Learn more at BemidjiState.edu and schedule a tour today. BemidjiState.edu I'm Bruce Jean, and this is Paul Bunyan Country. My guest today is Edie Everett. She is the Area Fisheries Supervisor out of the Bemidji office. What did you find out? What were people thinking at the uh, at the public meeting for the Northerns and the Turtle Chain? Uh, we had eight attendees, which is actually pretty good, and it ran the full range. And these were for, you know, from uh, I'm trying to think, of the Upper Lake is, is Little Turtle all the way down to um, Three Island oh, or yeah, yeah. Turtle River Lake. So, and also Deer Lake. Um, so we were looking at right now. There's a 24 to 36 inch protected slot with one over 36. So we're looking at some other alternatives. I don't want to go through all of them no. here. But <laughs> anyway, the, the opinions of the people were, were varied. We had some spearers. We had some just anglers, some people that lived on the lake, some people that came from other lakes. Out of eight, that's a pretty good var- variety, I think. Yeah. And their opinions varied from keep it as it is to um, just let drop let drop the rules. Excuse me. Their opinion varied vary from keep it as it is to why don't you just drop the rule and let it be the north central pike regulation which is still a slot but allows uh the spearing exception in the winter so they are able to spear fish of any size okay. with some restrictions on how many they can take i mean just based on the fact that it's, it's been in place for a long time um do you have any data on how the f- northern numbers are and sizes are compared to prior to the existing special reg yeah, we looked at uh, one of the easiest ones to think about is we looked at like the number of fish over 24 inches. So like on a like for deer lake, we'd like to keep that regulation, and that um, seemed like it was pretty effective. And the fish have moved up on average size. We're not trying to make a trophy fishery on these lakes, but at least get the average size from around 22, and a lot of them up into the 24 or even higher. Um, okay. And the from uh, little turtle through mobile. Um, we didn't see a huge amount of improvement. We saw some, so we were looking at uh, changing the slot a little bit, um, actually bringing the lower end down to 22 inches and up to 30, so it wouldn't protect them as big, but it would kind of capture them earlier so they could maybe get in there, stay in there. So um, so we've seen some improvement. We figured that would protect, especially those high 20-inch fish. We're not seeing a lot of fish over 30 in, in a lot of these lakes, so maybe the potential is just not there as much. Um, though anglers do catch them. <laughs> Yeah, bigger size fish. I'm not saying they're not there, but you know the majority of fish are 
a chunk of them are going to be in that 20 to 30 inch size range. So we'd like to push them up at, towards 30 more. And then the other lakes, the lower ones, Three Island and Turtle River. It's always a confusing lake name to me. <laughs> Those, we didn't, didn't see much improvement. We saw a little bit in one of the lakes and, and actually a decline in fish over 24 and another lake. So we thought maybe just the north central zone regulation would work okay. We're still waiting waiting for those online comments, too, so we'll see. I really don't have an idea how many people weighed in that way, and, again, there's time until mid-October. So. Well, um, yeah, it gets confusing. There's Big Turtle, Little Turtle, and Turtle River. Right. Turtle right. River, River as well. Right, so. yeah. <laughs> um, One of the things that uh, I have heard concerns about amongst the musky angling population is What's going on on Lake Bemidji? So what are you guys seeing with the musky situation on Bemidji? Yeah, we did a second year of our our mark and recapture um, population assessment, we call it. And that's basically so we can try to get a number, actually estimate the number of muskies out there. We haven't run that data yet, so we'll have it this winter. Okay. Um, I was looking, the last time we did a population estimate was 2014 and it was estimated there were 350 to 600 muskies in there. That seems like a big range, but when you don't have a lot of fish to recapture, it's hard to get a real small, solid number as far as a range goes. Um, And I saw that there was some concern that we're not seeing as many smaller muskies. I haven't really looked at the data much, excuse me, to see if those smaller muskies are coming in or if we've just got kind of a population that's uh, for some reason suppressing maybe recruitment or survival of the fish we're stocking, so... Um, we still got plenty of fish over 50 inches, though, which is a pretty prized lake to have in your area, though. Yeah, it I mean, if, if you if you want to catch a big muskie, Lake Bemidji is definitely a good choice. Yes. That's a fact. Um, so, and I know Plantagenet's uh, still got good solid muskie numbers. Cass yeah. has just been on fire with muskies the last several years. So um, overall, yep. muskie numbers are, are pretty good. I was looking at the Frank Schneider tournament results too before I left, and the, you know, quite a few muskies are coming out of our local lakes, and I was surprised actually Big Lake made the list quite a few times. Yeah, so it's yeah, good the, to see. Uh, and it's not your area, but uh, I was surprised at how many came out of Winnie this year. I mean, usually you hear one or two. There was quite a few that came out of yeah. Winnie this year. <clears throat> Excuse me. Well, um, the uh, the elephant in the room is Starry Stone War. We just found out it's on Lake Bemidji, and I mean, this is just really new stuff for everybody, so I, I'm sure we don't uh, really know what, what comes next. But just first of all, where about did they find the Starry Stone War in the lake? I'm trying to pull it out of my memory. I'm pretty sure it was near Northwoods Access, but and that, so not a large area. Right, but. okay. And I, it seems like you find a lot of them. That's where you find them is in in the accesses because that's how it usually gets onto a lake. Right. <laughs> uh, so again, if you, if you're using the Northwoods access or you're coming off Lake Bemidji, again, clean, drain, dry, it's as important. And we're just finding out how important it is. It's not just for zebra mussels. Right. It's for all that stuff. Yeah, that's a, that's a tough one just because it's uh, it's not very visible and we haven't seen. I don't think there's too much concern about fishery impacts at this time. The real concern has been mainly in certain lakes. It's got grown so dense and so high into the water column up to the surface that it really interferes with boating. We haven't seen that on Lake Bemidji at all, though. Is Are there things they're doing in other lakes? I know they seem to be able to control it in some lakes pretty well. Uh, and, and lakes, and I, like I said, on Bemidji, let me start over. On Bemidji, I'm not sure it actually was 
right at the access. I think it was along the shoreline. Okay. And I don't know how large of an area, but the places they've treated typically are very small infestations right at the access where they've been able to basically, uh, I think they're able to kind of curtain it off and treat it with a herbicide essentially. Okay. So, but it's... Um, the history of being able to eradicate any invasive is, is pretty poor, whether it's land or water. So um, it's always challenging to try to, if you catch it early, that's great. And maybe there's a, that potential then. And, and, of course, we have an AIS person, and that will be their big project. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, when I started, it's unfortunate that now we have to have AIS people, you know, aquatic invasive species staff. Because when I started, that wasn't the case. I mean, the only thing that really was a concern was Eurasian water milfoil, and that seems to have spread wherever it wants to spread, and we don't see many more of those, but we see plenty of other stuff coming in. Yeah, I, you know, um, people are, are more mobile than ever. Their boats are going in more lakes than ever, and that's why we just have to be really, really, yep. really stringent on this. Yeah, I know people get maybe get a little tired of hearing the message, but it's just as important, if not more so today, to make sure that you're drying your boat and draining all your water out and not transporting any of those things as it was a few years back. Did you and your crew spot anything besides the recent addition of Starry Stoneward into Lake Bemidji? Did you spot anything concerning, just, you know, again, the eye test concerning, uh, you might see some stuff when you do the crunch the numbers, but anything that was obvious that we need to be worried about right now or not? It's not something to be worried about. The I think the most noticeable change to my staff who's been here longer is how clear Bemidji is now because of the zebra mussels. So it seems to really have made a difference in water clarity at this point. Yeah, I did hear that from some people who spent a lot of time on Lake Bemidji. That was the thing they're having to do is figure out where the fish are now. Yep. They can't fish it like they used to. Yeah, I mean, just like cast switch to a, more of a night fishery, it's probably going to push more. If you're looking for walleyes anyway, angling success, success into the twilight and, and early evening hours. And as far as, um, you know, our other species, uh, we talked some northerns, we talked some walleyes, we talked some muskies, um, bass, uh, panfish, all of those numbers look pretty good. Are you talking about Bemidji or, or just, just anywhere in general? Any, yeah. of, any yeah. of the lakes you were looking at this year? Uh, big bass is always a good lake if you're thinking of doing some largemouth bass fishing. And actually the crappies look pretty good in there this year, so that, that probably secret won't be out. <laughs> I mean, that's, excuse me, that secret probably will be out pretty quickly here, yeah. so I don't think I'm giving anything away. Um, the other thing that I didn't know much about Elk Lake and Itasca State Park, and that, other than that it was a musky lake, it's one of the lakes we get our brood stock and get take eggs from the the muskies there at times. Um, but it has really good walleye numbers, too, so if you want to expedition into the park on a smaller lake than Lake Itasca, it's a good right. option, I think, for walleye fishing, uh, a little bit different than the busier lake. Um, the other thing we looked at this year, we went to a couple of our trout lakes, our stream oh, yeah. trout lakes. Out of the three that we looked at, South Long um, Island, which is near Zirkel, and um, Deep which, near Clearbrook. They're all in Clear, uh, Clearwater County. Deep looks like your best bet. It's a two-tiered lake. It's got some rainbows up to 20 inches in it right now. Oh, wow. It also has bluegill and black crappies in it, so okay. it might be a good winter fishing spot. So, And, and that's what? It's a deep, deep lake, lake, and that's near Clearbrook. And okay. uh, so, if you want to, you can fish on it without a trout stamp, but you cannot take any trout if you don't have a stamp. Just to remind people. So, and that's because it's again it has other species besides trout. Right. Yeah. Well, what's uh, what's up, up next on your docket now? We're going to finish up Cass Lake this week. That'll yeah. be good. And then we'll be uh, we're already starting to go out in the field and look at our walleye ponds to see if, how our fingerlings grew for. 
harvest them up and put them out in lakes in the area. So that'll be into October. We talked about the turtle chain northern uh, regs. Are there any other meetings and or regs being considered going into 2023? No, we haven't made any proposals at this point. I can't really think of anything to to change it right now. (laughs) Yeah, thanks. Uh, things are going pretty well. Well, okay, Edie, before we wrap it up. Uh, I, I do have one more, oh, more sure. thing to mention is that I don't know how many people that listen fish the Clearwater River uh, or may have used our boardwalk out there. It got wiped out by the flood in the spring. So oh. we'll be doing some uh, work this fall. Hopefully we can fit it in just to restore the bank. And then next summer we'll be replacing some platforms, which these are the kind of uh, – you know, the access, easy access type platform or boardwalk out to the platform where people can fish in the trout water there. So that's a really cool, that's a really cool thing. It was a great project. Yeah, it was sad to see that, but that big spring blowout just, um, wore, just undercut the banks there and two of the platforms basically tipped into the river. And that's tricky. I mean, we want, I know there was a place there so that you could actually angle pretty easily from a wheelchair into the river because they were overhanging, and that was also the problem with the flooding. So right. we're going to replace them, hopefully pretty in a pretty similar manner so that still have a good opportunity there. Well, if as we go into this off-season, soon-to-be ice season, well, yeah. actually fall is going to be is great fishing and ice fishing, but um, post-summer, as you've looked at things, if you had to give, uh, give our area waters a grade, overall grade for the Bemidji area fisheries would be? I would give it an A. Okay. Flat You're out not A. Or anything. <laughs> no, not biased at all. So. <laughs> well, it does sound, it sounds great. I mean, our walleye numbers are strong. It looks like most everything's really pretty strong now and looking pretty healthy. Yeah, when my phone doesn't ring, I know fishing's got to be good. People don't call us <laughs> as much when their fishing is really good and tell us they're, you know, give away their secrets, basically. So if it's not good, that's when we tend to hear a lot more from people, and, that, and that's fine. As well. <laughs> well, hopefully we'll, we'll keep hearing good things. It sounds like we're in for a good ice fishing season as well. Things look healthy there. And, of course, uh, we even have eel pout on Lake Bemidji now, so we can have fun with them too. <laughs> so, Edie Everts is the area fishery supervisor out of the Bemidji office, uh, wrapping up the summer with us. We have a lot more stuff we'll be checking in with Edie and her crew on later on. Uh, Edie, thanks for your time today. It's always great to have you here. Thanks, Kev. appreciate you having me. We've got some great podcasts coming up in the next week or so. We've got a Lake of the Week double feature. We missed last week's Lake of the Week. We'll do two back-to-back in a podcast. Uh, we've got some great stuff coming up from Blaine Clemick. We're going to hear from Chris Upholt of the Glenwood Area Fisheries Office on the uh, Alexandria fishing scene. And a great bass angler, Brad Leiferman, will be in to talk. Not only Paul Bunyan country, but a little Florida bass fishing, too. But that's it for today. I'm Kev Jackson. Thank you so much for being here. Paul Bunyan country.